How to quickly extract the best insights from a huge topic. Written by Scott Young, June 2020. There's something unnatural about how you've been taught to learn all your life. Consider a typical class. You show up and the professor hands you a syllabus. On it lists all the topics you're supposed to study. And at the end, you'll take an exam based on that list. What's unnatural about this is that life has no such list. Learning in real life is always unbounded. You can't ask, will this be on the final exam? In truth, anything and everything can be tested. That you didn't prepare for it isn't life's problem, it's yours. Learning without bounds is a fundamentally different kind of challenge. An analogy comes from computer science. When searching for something, there are two strategies you can use. Depth first or breadth first. Depth first works by picking one direction and going deeper and deeper. When that path is exhausted, you back up to the start and begin digging again. Breadth first works by fanning out. You first explore your surroundings, and if that doesn't work, you pick one direction, and then you fan out again. If the spaces you're exploring is bounded, like a fenced-off backyard, both approaches will work equally well. Eventually, you'll cover the entire area. On the other hand, if the space you're exploring is unbounded, like a vast open plain, this equivalence breaks down. Now going depth first, you may head down an infinitely long detour and never find what you're looking for. Learning is similar. With a list of topics to learn, and the expectation that you need to learn everything on it, then the path doesn't matter so much. Anything that covers the entire syllabus will do. But if you're learning outside of a finite list, for life, different strategies can have wildly different results. Choose poorly and you can get stuck on a path that never leads to your destination. So how can you explore a new topic efficiently? Say you want to learn everything useful that could help you grow your business, or all the computer science concepts that will make you a better programmer, the words and phrases that will let you communicate in a new language, all unbounded topics. What strategy should you use? In general, we want to learn the most useful, most basic, and most broadly applicable ideas first, only moving on to the esoteric, advanced, or specialized later. But putting these abstract ideas into practice can be tricky. So let's discuss three different ways that apply to three different domains so you can get some idea of how this might work. One, academic research. Follow the citations. If you're learning an academic subject, the learning space is going to be papers, books, and courses linked via citations. I found a few strategies helpful for efficient exploration. First, start with a course or textbook. Designed for learners, these will provide an entry point that doesn't always presume prior experience. Second, move to literature reviews and meta-analyses. For more specific topics, courses might not even exist, so reviews and meta-analyses are going to be quite useful because they combine many different studies into one. They let you overview a literature before you dig deeper. Third, follow citation trails. After these surveys, follow citations centering on papers that come up again and again in the other papers you read. Heavy citations show that a paper is thought by other experts to be more important or foundational than others, so they're where to start. 
Even a narrow problem can have tens of thousands of scientific papers written about it. Your search strategy makes all the difference between understanding a field and being baffled by it. Two, language learning, usage and frequency. Most languages have tens of thousands of unique words, including proper nouns, expressions, and other linguistic tidbits, and you probably need hundreds of thousands of memorized factoids for native level fluency. The order in which you learn those words makes a big difference to your functional abilities. Here's how to optimize the path. First, master a few basic phrases to get started. And this can be from any source, Pimsler, Michel Thomas, textbooks, or tutoring. This will give you something to play around with. Second, use the language in the setting you care about. And if that's too difficult, pick an easier setting that's still close. So real conversations could be substituted with mock discussions using a dictionary. Real books could be substituted with graded readers. The idea here is that they're functionally similar in the skills that you need to use, even if the content and situations are a little bit false. Third, pay attention to any words that come up in these situations. Make flashcards to memorize any words that you encounter in the close to real situation, and this will allow you to learn them more quickly than if you have to be exposed to them dozens of times in the real situation in order to finally learn them. Fourth, and finally, supplement these with a frequency list. Frequency lists are lists ordering the most commonly used words in a language. And they often focus on small grammatical words like the, ah, is. And these are not always the most helpful to learn, especially if you're learning them from a translation from English. However, if you go through the most common 1,000 English words and look at their translations and see which ones you know and don't know, this is a pretty good benchmark to be able to hold interesting conversations. Even if for native level fluency you need to know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of words, you can get a lot done with just the 1,000 most common words. Third, practical skills. Projects help prioritize. If you're learning to do or make something, a project can help guide you. This works for programming, business, art, and more. First, pick something concrete you'd like to make. And if what you'd really like to make is too hard, start with a toy project that's smaller. Second, learn anything you need in order to build it. This is only a rough understanding, not mastery. Our goal is just to get enough knowledge to make progress in the project. Third, put topics that come up on a to-learn list. If something comes up again, bump it up to the top of the list. Fourth and finally, learn your list. So pick the first item and set aside a fixed chunk of time, maybe a few hours or even a few weeks depending on the topic, and dig deeper into it. Then move on to the second item, then the third, and so on. If an idea you've covered needs more depth, so you encounter it again but realize you didn't learn it well enough, add it back to the bottom of your list. So the combination of a project with a to-learn list prioritizes what you ought to study. The project makes sure what you learn stays practical, the list prioritizes everything else, and the fixed chunks of time keep you from getting derailed on some infinitely long detour into a niche topic. Alright, so let's go over your homework for today. Improving your search strategy. There's four steps. First. Pick one thing that you've been trying to learn. Two, ask yourself, how could you improve the order or sequence that you explore it? Third, if you're stuck, compare to these three examples that I talked about earlier, academia, languages, and practical projects. 
Finally, go to the comments for the original article and write one sentence with your answer. If you have some experience with a domain, feel free to share which ones have worked for you to help out those who are just starting out. In one week, I'm going to be reopening Rapid Learner, my six-week course for learning anything better for a new session. Over the next week, I'm going to be sharing more of these lessons, and after that's done, I'm going to be reopening Rapid Learner. Regardless of when you're listening to this, whether it's right when it's been released or months after, you can go to rapid-learner-course.com to find out about new sessions. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott H. Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, and most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website, scotthyoung.com. Thank you.